Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. I've got a lot to say, and we got a lot to cover tonight, and... Uh, um, so we're just going to get right into it. Uh, these, last week we started a series about money, and it's not from a spiritual sense. Well, it, it, tie, it will tie it all together. It, you have to put the spiritual aspect of it in, in with it as well. But we're going to be talking about just the natural aspects of money and managing our money, being good stewards of what God has provided for us. And I don't have time to go back over all that we said last week, but uh, just to say this, that God wants you to prosper. God wants you to be a good steward of what he puts in your hands, and prosperity is progressive. You will not be as blessed a year from now. You'll be more blessed a year from now than you are tonight if you follow God's plan and God's principles. I can say that over the years, you know, we have prospered, we have done well, we did not start out that way. I came from a very poor family. When we got married, we were married young, barely making ends meet, you know, and, and it seemed that way, you know, we, we got to a place where we were in a comfortable life, and then we left to go to the ministry, and we were kind of back to square one, you know, but God always provided. But in doing that, let me just make you understand once again that no amount of faith can make up for poor money management. It just doesn't happen. If you keep making the same foolish mistakes with your money over and over again, and you can pray all day long and, and nothing's going to change until you change. And so we've got some principles there that we want to, to, to go over. Uh, to, I told you we were going to talk about uh, budgeting tonight and... Uh, I told you you wouldn't hear a four-letter word because budget was six letters. But uh, I hate to tell you this, we're going to have a four-letter word tonight first. We're going to postpone budgets till next week. We're going to talk about debt tonight, four letters. But, you know, here, listen to this. Luke 18.8 says, For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. The Williams translation of that says, The children of this world act with more business sense than the men who enjoy spiritual light. Now, that should not be. We should be some of the best money managers around. I'm telling you, we, we should excel in this area. And so, um, we're going to be talking about debt tonight before we get to budgets, and then I'm going to have Kira come up here and talk for a few minutes. I'm going to have to time her. I've already told her I've got more than enough to fill the whole service up, so I'm going to stand back and go, when, when she gets, she gets too long-winded. But anyway... <laughs> You, you, you know that, right? Okay. Okay. There is a, there's a guy who wrote a book called The One, Million, One Minute Millionaire, and he, he said this, money is one of the, the most important subjects of your entire life. So, and he, this, is, this is a man who's, I mean, he's not talking about anything spiritual. He said, some of life's greatest enjoyments and most of life's greatest disappointments stem from your decisions about money. Whether you experience great peace of mind or constant anxiety will depend on getting your finances under control. Because let me tell you, debt is bondage. It is bondage. He, what he said right here, you can either have great peace of mind or you can have great anxiety. And the great anxiety comes from debt. When you owe more than you can pay, 
Uh, Third John clearly says, beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper. That's God's plan for us. But as I said last week, we're in partnership with God. There's a part God plays, there's a part we play. Managing what we have is our part to play. Um, Debt is a result of three things. Could be one or all three. Ignorance, indulgence, or poor planning. Now, ignorance, now, don't, just let me, un, let me make you aware of what I mean by ignorance is that we don't have enough information. You know, it used to be taught in the schools, there were some life skills taught in high school before kids got out on their own. You know, and I don't know that that's taught anymore. There are people who come out of high school, get thrown into an adult world, and have no idea what a checking account is, how you write a check, how you balance a checkbook. None of that. It's amazing. And then there are times we, we have to, as parents, we have to get to a place where we make sure our children know these things. Help them learn at an early age to manage the money that they have. Well, I can only give them an allowance of a dollar a week. Well, teach them how to manage a dollar a week. You know, first of all, the first 10% belongs to God. And after that, teach them to lay some aside for later. Don't spend every dime they get their hands on just because they've got it. You know, because in the back of kids' mind, well, this is mine to spend. Well, you know, there are things that you might want. It was amazing when my children were growing up how they, hey, Mom, can, can, I want this, I want this, I want this. Can I have this? Can I, have this? I said, sure, you can buy it. Oh, well, I'll wait till later. When it was my money they were spending, it was, it was, they needed it right now. When it was their money, they, they could wait, you know. They need to be taught those principles at an early age. You know, there are some things that just because you want them, maybe you need to invest what you have into that. Uh, my grandkids, you know, have been told that there were certain things over the last few years that, that they wanted. Okay, great, you save up for it. You save X amount, you know, and, and I'll help you. And uh, so they... Uh, you know, they, they're learning that kind of thing. So we need to make sure we teach our children as they're growing up how to function where money is concerned. And then uh, indulgence. Oh, you can say a lot about indulgence. Sometimes we just, we got to have it, you know. Oh, that, that, that looks so good. I got, I got to have it. I got no, no. And then, this, of course, there's poor planning. But here, Proverbs 22, 7 says, the borrower is servant to the lender. The New American Standard Bible says, the rich rules over the poor. And the borrower becomes the lender's slave. You know, that's what debt is. Like I said, it's bondage. It costs you sleep. It costs you anxiety. It puts dissension and, and disagreement between spouses. Seems like in every marriage there's, there's one person, you know, who is a little freer with money than the other one. You know, that kind of stuff. And it causes a lot of tension. You know, she likes to spend on this, he likes to spend on this, and somehow they don't, they don't meet. There's no agreement with where money is going to go and how it's going to be spent. And I tell you what, that's one of the biggest issues in a marriage. You know, you, you, can, you can see it all over. I, um, I noticed in Deuteronomy... Uh, it says in verse, uh, chapter 28, verse 12, it says, You shall lend to many nations, and you shall not borrow. Romans 13, 8 has been used um, incorrectly by a lot of people. It says to owe no man anything, saying that you should not ever borrow money. I don't believe that scripture really means that. You know, there are times when, you know, it's okay to borrow. I mean, we, you have to learn to be led by the Holy Spirit with your money. And um, go back to being debt, being bondage. 
you know, it causes anxiety, dissension. It also keeps you focused on your issues. It keeps you from being the blessing to others that God intends you to be. And it generally pushes you to make more bad decisions. Once you start making bad decisions where money is concerned, it just, it shoves you into the area where you keep making bad decisions to try to make up for the bad decisions you already made. It just, we just, you know, it just makes one thing worse than it was before. Here's some statistics I got got out of something today, which is several years old, so it may be worse than this right now. It says that 72% of American families carry some kind of debt. The average household has 10 credit cards with an average interest rate of 18%. The average family carries a credit card debt of $4,000 from month to month. And the majority of Americans will retire with less than $10,000 in annual income and little or no retirement savings. Whew, that's tough. But it's true. Now, they did a little survey and they asked people, what, what things have caused you financial pain? Here's some of the answers that they got. Using multiple credit cards. Trying to have in 10 years what it took my parents 40 years to get. Mm-hmm. Using everything I make on living instead of saving. Wasting money by eating out all the time. Failing to provide for retirement. Failing to start providing for retirement when I was young. You know, the more you, the more you start putting, even if it's only a little bit, by the time you get to retirement age, that little bit could really have accumulated to a lot if you've done well with it. Um, having to have an expensive vehicle. You know, Pastor and I had a luxury, what was termed luxury car a number of years ago, and I loved that car. It was a Q45, an Infinity. They don't even make them anymore. I loved that car. But I came to the realization one day that that car was very impractical. I go around and I, I pick up stuff all the time for the church, and I'm loading boxes of stuff in all the time. And that car was just not appropriate for what I needed. So we got rid of it, and I got myself a little SUV, which made a whole lot more sense. But I loved that car so much so that if I see one on the road today, I saw one not long ago, that same year, that same model, that same color, and my heart just went pitter-patter. Oh, oh, there's my car. I loved that car. I mean, I, I could be doing 90 and have a lot of room in that pedal to go. Woo! <laughs> we, we, we brought that car home from, home from Tampa one night. It was late. We got back about 11 o'clock, and Pastor says, you know, we lived, back then we lived about a mile from the interstate, you know, down on 236. And he said, I'm going to take this out for a little spin. I said, it's kind of late. He goes, yeah, I, you know, there's not many cars on the road. I just want to go try it out. So he came back in a little while, and I said, so what did you do? And he said, oh, I think, what'd you have it up to? He's not saying. <laughs> he came back and told me what he was doing. And I said, dear God, man, they would have carted you off to jail if they had caught you doing that fast. He said, I just wanted to see what it would do. There was nobody on the road. I'm going, oh, Okay. Okay, but I loved that car. But you know what? I don't have to have an expensive car. I figured that out a long time. It's a waste. It's a, it's a depreciating item. Why am I going to spend that kind of money on a really expensive car? 
not any problem. Uh, how about these days, the problem some people have is internet buying. Ooh. Some of you are in love with Amazon, maybe. You have, you have a very intimate relationship going with Amazon. Yeah. Then there's impulse buying. You know, when you buy things, you really should stop and think about it before you just decide to buy it. You know, I have, I have a theory about certain things that if it's a really, really good deal and I really, really like it and I'm really not sure, well, you know, I can buy it because I know it won't be there when I come back, but I can also take it back. And many of the time, I've just taken it right back. So anyway, so anyhow, uh, I'm condensing tonight. There are five types of borrowing. Number one is credit cards. Ugh. Credit card companies have determined that if you use a credit card, even if you pay it off every month, you will spend 34% more to live than if you used cash. Let that sink in. Why? Because it's just so convenient to whip the credit card out. It becomes a matter of convenience. And most of the time when we do that, we're not really fully aware of how much we've put on that card. Even if we can afford to pay it off at the end of the month, would that money have not been better served somewhere else? If we could save 34%? I mean, really? It doesn't make sense to have multiple credit cards. Just because when you go to Belk, they say if you sign up for, for our credit card, we'll give you an extra 20% off all of your purchases today, and then you get all these special deals, you don't need that incentive. You do not need it. In the long run, it will cost you more than that little bit of savings that you're getting. All the time I'm going, that, nope, put it on my, my American Express. Nope, I carry one card. I actually do carry two because there are places sometimes I go, they don't take American Express. You know, but, you know, it just, do not do multiple credit cards. If you've got multiple credit cards, get rid of them. Um, listen to this. If you put... $1,500 on a credit card that is charging you 18% interest. And you didn't put anything else on it. Just You maxed it out at $1,500. That's what you've got. And you paid the minimum amount due each month. It would take you 25 years and 7 months to pay it off. And during that time, you would have spent... $23,432, of which $15,432 was interest. Oh, be still my heart. I mean, when I think in terms like this, I just go, oh, my heavens. Make sure you know the terms on every credit card you've got. You know, I, like I say, I have two credit cards my American Express, I obligated, I obligated us to pay it off every month. That's the kind of American Express it is. My other card has, has um, I, don't even, I don't even know what interest rate's on it because I've never paid a dime of interest on it. But, but you need to be aware of what's on there and be aware of the, of the fact that if you're late, most of these, these credit cards can bump it up to a higher rate. If you miss payment... Or if you're late, your 18% interest could go up to like 23%. You need to know these things. You know, 
Credit cards make emotional spending very easy. And there are times, you know, we just want to, you know, we're in a bad place emotionally. We're in a bad place, you know, and just a lot of things going on in our lives. And, and it just makes me feel better to go buy something new. No. Not when, when you, when you get, get home and you realize that you just indebted yourself that much more. Don't do it. It's kind of like emotional eating. We got to pay the price at some point. You know, at some point, you're going to have to come back and, t- and draw back and realize what you've done was not a good thing. Uh, number two, consumer loans. What are consumer loans? Consumer loans are things like cars, big ticket items. Again, know the terms before you buy. Don't let somebody just shove a financial paper in front of you. Oh, just sign here. Read it. Understand what you're signing. And they say, we're in a hurry. No, we're not in too big a hurry for me to know exactly what I'm getting myself into. The fine print is there for a reason, folks. And so you need to understand what what you're getting yourself into. Um, And when you have a consumer loan, you know, um, it'd be nice to be able to pay cash for a car. And there is a way I believe you can do that. Um, but in the meantime, um, I'm just, I'm just not a, I'm just not a person who thinks that you can never borrow money. You need to be wise about what you borrow and when you borrow it and what your other financial commitments are before you borrow anything. And knowing the terms, you should go into it, making sure that you're going to pay it off quicker than the terms of that loan call for. If they give you a... If there, are there 72-month loans out there for cars right now? I, I heard somebody say that the other day, and I went, are you kidding me? The car is going to be ready to be falling apart, you know. If you put a lot of miles on it before that, that thing's even paid for. Never, ever drag that thing out the entire length of the term of that, of that loan. Never. Always plan to pay it off much sooner than what those, that loan calls for. So make sure we going in that you're not being penalized for prepaying or paying off early. There are some loans that do that, they, that you have to pay a penalty for paying it off sooner than what you have agreed to on paper up front. Now, I don't have a problem with, with uh, say, putting a, a car on a 60-month loan so that the payments down here are low just in case something should ever come up that maybe this month I need to use that extra money on something else that's an emergency, and I do mean emergency. You know, I, I, my last car that I, that I bought, I had X amount of dollars that I planned to put in it every single month, and that was far greater than what the loan commitment called for, and um, I don't think I ever not paid that much. I usually paid even, sometimes even paid even more than that. But I had made, a, made myself a commitment that I was going to pay this much on that car loan. And I did that. And it, had, it would have had to have been an extreme emergency for me not to pay what I had already decided I was going to pay. And so you need to know these things. Uh, you know, give God, you know, something breaks down. Give God an opportunity to work before you just rush out to go buy something else. I've had more people tell me that they had something that was broken down 
And they just, oh, you know, they're, they're immediately thought, I'm going to have to go out and buy another one. I'm going to have to go do this. I'm going to have to go do that. And, and then just listening on here, they were directed to go buy some, like, small little part, some small little something, and it was fixed for next to nothing. So stop. When you've got something that looks like you've got to replace it all of a sudden, just stop and say, Lord, is there something I need to know here? Before I go looking to buy something else, is there some way to, to, to get around this, some way to fix this? Is it fixable? Can I fix it? Is there something I can do? Always do that. Then there's mortgages. Well, when it comes to mortgages, there's a lot of things you need to ask yourself. Uh, number one, is your credit score good enough to get a really good interest rate? Before you start looking, you need, you need to have some things already in place, some things already in mind before you start looking at houses. Number one is, is my credit rate, rate good enough? Is my credit score good enough to get the, one of the best interest rate out there? Um, we found out when we went to uh, get our construction loan for the house we're currently building that our credit score had gone down in the last year because we had no debt. I was like, are you kidding me? I had a credit score of 840, and now it's down to 820 because I don't have any debt. Are you serious? And they went, sorry, but that's the way that works. I went, that's stupid. That is just so stupid, you know, but that's, that's the way the, the world system operates. So anyway, where's your credit score? Um, before you start looking at houses, is this a good time to buy? Is the market on the upswing? Is the market on the downswing? Find somebody who can answer that question and find out, is this a good time to get into the market? Is it a buyer's market or is it a seller's market? You need to know that. Um, is it a good price? You find something, is it really a good price? You know, compare some things. Look around. Find out, really, is this, is this a comparable price? Take a look at what, you know, one of the reasons why I finally, you know, gave in and said, okay, hon, I, you know, I, it, maybe we should look at, at, at building instead of buying because everything we looked at didn't meet our needs. And everything we looked at was going to have to have some kind of work done on it. And some kind of remodel, some kind of renovation, some kind of something. And listen, I'd done enough renovation at the older house, the last house, that I just didn't want to do renovating again. And, and honestly, by the time you take this house, even though it's a, a good price, and I put X amount of dollars into it to renovate, if, am I coming out better just going and building the house? There's so many things to consider. Uh, have you considered the cost of home ownership? There's insurance. There's taxes. You are now responsible for everything that goes wrong that has to be fixed, that has to be replaced. Can you afford all of that? Are you overbuying? You know, you can get so emotionally attached to a piece of property that you can't see straight anymore when God's talking to you about it. Is there peace about this piece of property? You know, we, we found a house uh, a year or two ago, actually is uh, about two years ago now, that we absolutely loved. I mean, loved that house. 
there was still a few little things that was going to have to be done to it to make it right for pastor and his, his study and his library. But we loved that house. He's always wanted to live in a log house. And this was a beautiful log house. And we got our house sold. And we thought, yes, we're going to go buy that log house. And the Lord said, mm-mm, mm-mm. And I had already gotten emotionally attached to that house. And he said, no, the Lord said, no, no, we can't buy it. Did I tell you why? Nope, he just said, forget that house. And went, okay. And I kept driving by that house for a long time, just looking at it going, Lord, are you sure? It's a beautiful piece of property. It's a gorgeous house. That kitchen is wonderful. I just love that house. But he said no. And now I'm so glad that he said no. So if there's, if there's, no peace in your heart. God's not talking to you about he's, you know, this is the house for you. Back off. Is this property going to appreciate? It's a good question to ask. Don't be caught in a thing of, well, it's a fixer-upper. We can, we can buy it for this little bit of money, and we can fix it up. Well, the problem with that is, do you already have the money you need to fix it up? Do you have any idea what is going to happen when you start tearing into things? Listen, because our last house was 60 years, was built in the 60s, and we started renovating. Fortunately, it was a very well-built house in the 60s. And, in fact, I had a couple of people say, you know, this house is, I mean, this opening where they replaced some windows and put in some French doors, said, this is perfectly square. You don't even find, it's a block house. You don't even find that in today's houses. But I'm telling you what, there were some other issues with it that, you know, you get into, you weren't counting on. You don't know. So just because you say you can do, I can fix this up. Really? Can you? Do you know what it costs to fix it up? Are you the handy guy who can do all that stuff? Or are you going to have to hire it done? So buying a house may not be the answer for everybody. But the only good thing about buying a house is the fact that it does appreciate in most markets, you know, unless we have another real estate crash, homes will appreciate. So you're not going to lose your investment in that. Then there's investment and business borrowing. Stay away from get-rich-quick schemes. That's not how God works. Stay away from multi-level marketing if you're not a real go-getter who'll go out and just find people to get involved in that multi-level marketing business. Do not depend on your friends to become your customers. We have seen more than one church split because members in their church got involved in the same multi-level marketing. And then there was fights between them about whose customers were whose. Don't get involved in it. Uh, when it comes to investment and business borrowing, do you have a fixed rate of interest? A guaranteed way to pay it back? Do you have an appreciating asset that will keep you solvent in all of this? Is there a market for what you have to offer? If it's investment, have you thoroughly checked it out? Do you have all the information you need on this investment? Educate yourself thoroughly before you commit to anything, whether it's investment or whether it's business. And again, keep your emotions out of your spending. 
Proverbs 13.22 says, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Proverbs 21.5 says in the Living Bible, Steady plotting brings prosperity. Be patient. Be patient. Prosperity is progressive. We're going to have a nice house when our house is finished. But it's the fourth house we've owned. And with every house that we've owned and sold, we've been able to step up a little at a time. And that's where I'm at today. This is my fourth house, and it's going to be a nice house. You know, it's not going to be a mansion, but it's going to be a nice house. So it's, you know, what you start, a starter home is just that, a starter home. It may not be your dream home, probably won't be, but it's a start and it's the way to get to where you ultimately want to go. You don't have to have it next year. You don't have to. Remember, it's going to take you some time to accumulate what you've seen other people accumulate over the span of 20, 30, 40 years. Um, Proverbs 21.20 says, The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. Mm. So anyway... That's talking about debt. Now, Kira and Tim got a hold of Dave Ramsey's um, method of getting out of debt. And I want her to talk to you about that for a little bit. And, um, you know, Dave Ramsey, as, as, if I recall right, is very big on everything is cash. You don't borrow anything. I'm of the opinion that where credit cards are concerned, credit cards for me are a tool, they're a tool that I use for, number one, for it's convenient instead of carrying cash, instead of taking forever to write a check somewhere. There are incentives to using my credit card, like extra warranties on products, um, extra protection on, on certain things, um, as opposed to, to debit cards. If you buy something with a debit card and you decide to take it back, it takes you longer to get that put back. There is less likelihood of fraud that you will wind up paying for on a credit card as opposed to a debit card. Um, there are perks on certain credit cards that can, that can do really well. Uh, our American Express has got points on it that I have used. We have used to fly to all kinds of places. We've been to Hawaii a couple of times on, on points from American Express. There are times, you know, right now where we, you know, instead of, instead of buying a, an airplane ticket to go somewhere, we'll use points. You know, that's what they're there for. These are things you can, tools you can use. You should use them. They should not use you. It should be a, a matter of, I'm in charge here. This thing does not take charge of my life. I take charge of this. And one of the ways you take charge of a credit card is to always keep a running account of what you owe. Right now, to this day, I can go in my office and I can tell you exactly what is owed on that American Express because I write down every single transaction and I keep a running total of it. So I know, okay, that's, that's enough. Mm -mm, that's enough. I know it. Huh? And, of course, we pay it off every single month. Actually, I never, I don't just pay it off. I pay it to what I owe to the date that I pay it. They'll send me a statement and say, well, you owe, you owe $545. Well, I know I've already put several more charges on that that amount, amount to $720. I pay the $720. So whatever I owe to the moment that I'm writing that check is what I pay because I know everything that's on. And I keep a track of that credit card online 
all the time to make sure there's no fraud on that card. I have caught things before that I immediately knew that was not a charge that either one of us put on there, got on the phone, got that taken care of. Some people never even look at their bank statements. They don't look at their credit card statements until, you know, weeks later or after it comes in. I, I can tell you within a matter of a few days what's, whether what's on there is legitimate or not. So, again, credit cards are great. And, and again, I don't, I don't think necessarily that, that you have to go through life without borrowing money. There are times when, you know, you'll find yourself owing money that's out of your control. Say, for instance, suddenly it's a large batch of medical bills. You know, those things are things you can't plan for a lot of times. Uh, say maybe you had an accident. Somebody, somebody ran into you, totaled your car. Now you have to have another car. But the insurance company is not going to give you the same amount of money that you would need to buy the car you'd like to buy. I mean, there are th some times that you will need to borrow money. You know, even for you guys over there going to school, uh, I have discovered that credit card companies target college students. They want you to help you establish credit. Well, that's true. It's a good way to establish some credit, but they're, they're banking on the fact that you're going to get yourself into a lot of credit debt that you're going to take forever to pay back. Don't do that. If you get a credit card, you decide ahead of time how much you're going to allow yourself to put on that credit card each month, and you pay it off every month. You ought to be able to come back and say, I've never paid a dime in credit card interest. I can't always say that, but I can say that there came a day in, in our lives where God impressed me to get out of credit card debt. And we put away our credit cards. We operated strictly in cash for over a year. We paid off everything. I tell you what was the best feeling in the world. You don't know how much bondage you are to your debt until you're finally out of debt. And if you're in debt, God's got a plan to get you out. And he'll work with you if you work with him. So, Miss Kara, you come talk about the Dave Ramsey thing. And you can, you can, you can, ha you can have a whole 25 minutes. How All about right. that? I'm going to try and be fast. Well, don't be too fast. you got 25 oh, minutes. <laughs> i got a topic that people kind of want to turn their brains off and go to sleep, but that's okay. This is exciting stuff. Um, I am a nerd. I am an accountant. I'm an Excel freak. I dream in Excel. It's amazing. Um, but I know people hear the word budget and they instantly go, not for me. So many people have excuse after excuse of why they can't use a budget. They've tried or they're so organized. They have it figured out. Really, you have it figured out. Like everyone else in the country does not, but you do. So it's wonderful. I didn't bring my water. Hold on. Let me get some. And this is not my real voice. I've been a little um, stuffy, so I hope I don't sound like an old man on my recording, but <laughs> we'll see. Okay, one second. Okay, and this water bottle, like, so extra, so huge. Okay, so here is um, our story, basically. Tim and I have some friends, and they are in their early 60s, so, I mean, they can still be friends, right? 60-year-olds. So... They came to our house one night, and they were telling us um, they recently, I guess kind of in the last few years, have gotten debt-free, 
And we would say, what do you guys do? Like, you're retired, you're debt-free. And they're like, we literally wake up every morning and we do whatever we want. Like, they have a kid that lives in New York. They'll say, you want to go visit Alyssa in New York? And they'll say, yeah, sure. So they hop on a plane and they go to New York. And so they're telling us all these great things. And so we're sitting there, we're like, man, that sounds awesome. Like, I have always told people, I will work forever. I'll be 110 tapping away at the keyboard because who has time to pay health insurance nowadays and save for retirement? Like, not happening. So I was just really excited. And she was like, you can do this too. And that was like, I guess I had always known that, but it was kind of a revelation to think like, to see how someone had done it. They were debt-free. You just don't see that. So the next day, I woke up, and I was like, I am going to do this. Like, I can do this. And I've always said I could never follow a budget. That's so crazy, even being an accountant. Um, so I just did it. And we literally sat there. We didn't really ever discuss finances in our house. It was just, I'm the accountant. I manage the money. Tim would say, I guess if we're spending it, we have it. He would just trust me. <laughs> yeah, honey, back there. And so I'm like, man, maybe he shouldn't be trusting me so much because, you know, that's a scary thing. So we sat down, we made a budget, and we um, actually, we looked at it, and now we laugh when we look at it because there's a list of, obviously, your things you can't live without, your house, your insurance, or whatever. And then you have a list of things you can't live without. And we laugh. Literally, we look back because I save a new one every month, and I look at it, and it's like 25 things. 25 things I couldn't live without? What? And it's like ridiculous. It's like gym, Disney, um, you know, all this extra stuff. I'm like, I couldn't live without Disney. I couldn't run a mile around the block instead of go to the gym. And now it's like five, like five essential cannot live without. So it's definitely a process. Um, you'll start, you'll have your initial budget, you'll set it, and the first month you will wreck it. You'll be like, that, that didn't go so well. So you will tweak a little bit, see where you overspent, see where you underspent, kind of move things around. Um, but as I tell people about what we've done, and I'm like so excited, you can do this, and everyone can do it, and they have a list of excuses and lies, really, they tell themselves of why they can't do it or can't jump on board. So here's a few they told me. Um, they feel constrained to be on a budget, and they want to do what they want to do. And Dave Ramsey, we're extreme people, so I like Dave because he's very extreme. Like she said, he's very, you know, one way. That's me, so it fits right along. And so he says, I want to do what I want to do. And he's like, don't kids do that? Like, kids do what they want to do. When you're an adult, you don't just do what you want to do anymore. So I was like, ouch. Like, I am a kid at 33. So that hit hard home. And I hear people say that still to me. And I'm like, yeah, well, you're not a kid anymore. So let's put our big boy pants on and make a budget. Um, people say, I deserve to spend what I want because I work hard for my money. Really? Like, don't you think you deserve to retire rather than die typing at a keyboard at 100 rather than get your new purple shirt? Yeah, like I think you do. So uh, that always makes me laugh because I'm like, oh, that's so funny. Like your clothes are going to be torn out and holes in them in six months. And pretty sure you didn't deserve to waste your money. Um, I won't be able to bless others. This is what I hear a lot in the church, obviously. But they think they won't be able to bless others if they're on a budget. Like it's this thing and it sucks your money into these envelopes and it can never come out. And if something comes up, you, sorry, on a budget. Can't get you those shoes. Nope, not going to happen. No, it doesn't work like that. So you, 
we have our budget, obviously, and we have a section that is for blessing. If God speaks to us to do something else, buy someone's groceries or do whatever, you do that. Then you move around the budget. Somewhere else is going to sacrifice. Okay, we're going to get less groceries this month, or obviously you can't short your car payment or anything, but you can move around those things that are flexible. Um, so people see it as a constraint to blessing others as opposed to getting to a point where you're debt-free and you have the ability to do whatever you want for other people. So that's um, another lie. One is everyone has debt, and this is very American, obviously, is that everyone believes you grow up, and here's kind of my life progress. You go to college, you get student loans, you get meet someone, get married, have a wedding, you buy a house, have kids, pay for their college, you work, you work, you work, you die. That's it. That's what people think life in America is. And so I... Got to figure out where I'm at. Oh, yeah, so this, like, lie that people say that every, everyone has debt that's just natural, it doesn't have to be natural for you, no matter how old you are. Um, Dave Ramsey has a great following of, like, college-age kids who don't make that much money or don't make any money, um, but he says don't go and get student loans. Like, kids are graduating student loan debt that's, like, more than a house they could buy. When they're, and they're literally paying it off 30. I was uh, working with a woman who had been out of school for like 30 years and was paying student debt. I couldn't believe it. So, um, no, everyone doesn't have to have debt. That's a lie. Um, he makes a joke, and I always laugh at Pastor Angela, because he says no one's ever become a millionaire with their credit card rewards or their credit card refunds or whatever. But they did go to Hawaii on them, and that's important. Um, and a lot of people say, I don't make enough money. Anyone can budget. Someone that makes a million dollars can be less successful than someone who makes 20000 depending on what you spend it on. You're going to sacrifice more, yes, but is the end goal going to be the same? And if you have $20,000 in free money and someone else is spending all $2 million of theirs, you're still ahead. So don't tell yourself a lie that, like, I can't afford anything, and then go out and buy a pizza tonight for dinner. Like, you can, but you chose to buy the pizza. So those are my kind of lies that I hear people make excuses that they can't do it. Um, don't buy into these lies. What a budget can do for you and what it has really done for us is it gives you the freedom so you can bless others whenever you want. Um, before, if God would speak to me and say, like, buy that person's groceries, I'd be like, that would be really nice, but I don't really know what I've spent. So I'm going to not be able to do that because I don't want to overdraw my account. Now I'm like, no questions asked. How much is it? 200 Here it is. It's like not even a second thought. Um, it's in the short term. I mean, our plan took us six months. We were very extreme. We um, sold a car. We, everyone knows the green booger, the Ford Fiesta. So tiny, right? It's like a micro machine. That was our family car for six months. We sold our Explorer to get that debt off. And we literally, Tim would be like eating the dashboard. And the kids would be like, oh, I need more room. We're like, shut up. This is the car for now. Like, suck it up. And so we just were like, this is short-term sacrifice for a long-term payoff. So um, I actually seen a bumper sticker the other day, and it says, Dave Ramsey makes me drive this. And I was like, we need that. Like, if they saw us in that car, they would be like this. Like, they need to see DCF or something. Okay, so... Um, and it gives you a piece in your life you never even knew possible. We, um, just like everyone else, went to college, got debt, got married, had kids, da-da-da, debt-debt-debt, and that's just what we knew. And now that we literally don't have a single bill coming in, I mean, we don't have our mortgages paid off. That's further down in the steps that Dave Ramsey talks about. So we just have two rental homes and our mortgage. Um, but there's literally no bills coming in except for what, you know, we eat or we gas drive or whatever. Um, 
And so this piece of like never, ever, I used to always worry about like, oh, how much money did I spend? You know, we're really bad in our generation of balancing checkbooks. That is a very, uh, my parents' age, my dad still has a register, which cracks me up. These kids probably don't even know what that is. Register, yeah, so they register every single thing. We don't do that. Like if you look at your bank statement online once a month, maybe, hopefully no one took any of your money, don't know. And that is like kind of how we operate. So I was kind of operating like that. Like I get paid enough, surely we have money in there. Yeah, that'll work. So um, now that I know how much money I have, I know where it's going. I know there's money saved. It's never even a question. Um, I also have really had a relation with my job. I always had the thought about my job. What if I lose my job? Or what if Tim loses his job? And I thought what will we do? Like, I make an amount because I'm a Dallas-based employee, so I can make Dallas-based wages in Gainesville, and I'm like, I will never make that in Gainesville again. What would I ever do? Like, we would have to sell our home, sell our children, um, which I kind of do, which is weird. Um, I did think about that. Anyway, (laughs) those aren't our children, by the way. Let me just put that out there. (laughs) And that's not why I did it. Okay. Um, but I have gotten to a place in my job where they need me more than I need them. And I never knew that I thought about it like that until like at our, at work, they're kind of trying to like restructure and get rid of our position or whatever. And I used to freak out and think, oh my God, how would I make it? And now I'm like, okay, I'll be a stay at home mom. Like it, it's not, it's not, no longer a stretch. You're not a slave to it. People have jobs they hate and they go every day because they make a certain amount of money and they have to make that to live. And like the freedom of knowing that you can go into your job and say, I'm debt free and I hate my job and I'm leaving today. What? Like that is a freedom that most people will never, well, hopefully not ever. Hopefully you will experience. Um, ultimately it gives you what you really deserve. And that is retirement later in life. Everyone works. Um, to make money. We work to spend our money and to give our money. Then we go to work, we make our money, spend our money, give our money, we work, and then we die, right? So we have a lot of our life. Our heart isn't revolved around money, but our lives are. Um, I actually had some thought when I was writing out my notes, and I thought, I spend more time making money every day than I do raising my own children. Like, that is how important money is. Everyone likes to say, money's not important to me. Really? Okay, hand me over the 90% of your paycheck tomorrow then, because it's really not that important to you. It is important to us, obviously, and God wants us to be blessed. So um, from a natural standpoint, a budget is the, one of the most life-changing things you can do for yourself. Because we do devote our lives to making this green money, which is so wonderful, and spending it on things we enjoy, um, why not budget it and you know put it to good use? I was going to use the... Um, parable that Steve Green read, so I don't have to read it. Thanks for doing that wherever you are. Um, But the part in there that says, I have it written down somewhere, evil and wicked, I think. Oh, evil and lazy. Um, Evil and lazy slave. That's what he called his slave that didn't do well with his talent. Evil and lazy. What have you got to heaven? And Jesus said, how were you with your finances? Oh, not so good. You're evil and lazy slave. Okay, God, that's cool. So that is not how I'm going to enter heaven. So I think of finances as like, you're the one talent guy. Your paycheck is your one talent. Are you investing that? Are you getting a return on that? Are you doing God's work with that? Or are you wasting it? Um, 
And you don't want to be that evil and lazy one. Um, let's see. We have control. A lot of us are control freaks. I am. Thank God my husband is not because that would be crazy. But I like to have control. And I know that everyone has control over their spending. It's not like your money. You just go to sleep one night and you wake up and you're like, I lost $1,000 last night. I was sleeping and it just flew out the window. It is something that you have to drive somewhere and decide to spend. You went out to dinner. You went out to buy clothes. You went out to the movie, whatever. And so you have control over it every day. So even if today is horrible, you ate out three meals, you called your girlfriend, you bought something online, tomorrow's a new day. Like don't feel defeated because one day you have a horrible day and then say, well, screw the budget. I messed it up yesterday. No, just think, okay, but yesterday wasn't good because we all have those days. Yesterday wasn't good. Reset today. Go back, look at the budget, see what you can fix, all that. So um, let's see. People like to say, this might be hitting home for some people, the devil is attacking their finances. I would personally have to say the devil doesn't have to do much work in many people's finances. Because they do the own, their own dirty work and their own finances. So um, you will definitely see fewer attacks on your finances when you have a check or a savings account that's got $10,000 in it. All of a sudden, you've never attacked. Isn't that so weird how that happens? Like something used to come up, and if it was $1,000, you might as well have told me I owe someone $10 million. I'd say, $1,000? How am I going to get $1,000? What? And now I'm like, oh, $5,000? Yeah, I'll just write you a check for that. Like, and I'm not to brag. This is not like a hoity-toity thing. This is just, it was super sacrificed for six months, and we've worked our way up to that point. But I'm saying that everyone can do it, no matter the age group, no matter the income. Um, don't wreck yourself. We are our own demons. Like, the devil doesn't have to do the work. We are doing the work. Um, I have the in here about the parable of the talents. Don't be the evil and lazy slave. Um, so I will just tell you really quickly kind of his method, what we've used. Um, and like I said, we're extreme, so don't follow or do if you're extreme too. Um, but it's called a zero-dollar budget. So he assigns, um, assigns every penny that is incoming to his house to a category. So you basically put in, I make $1,000, and here's my expenses, and everything is going somewhere. It might be an envelope where you're saving for Christmas. It might be an envelope where you are saving for your kids' clothing, for back to school, wherever. So we have our money assigned to the dollar, I mean to the penny really, in an envelope or something every month. Um, so it's called zero dollars. So that way you don't have this frivolous, well, I'll just leave 500 out just in case. You know what $500 is? 20 pairs of shoes that you didn't need. Like if you just leave money dangling out there that's not budgeted, it's going to be spent, just not on the right thing. So um, we, um, I have in here that we had 20 important things. Now we have five. Um, the cash only system, which I know we, it's, it's very highly debated. I would say know yourself. Um, there are people that I know that very much benefit from the credit card system. They get the flyer miles, they get cash back and all that. If you know, and be honest with yourself, I know that I have tried several times in life to do that whole pay off the next month thing. And the next month comes and I'm like, oh, I owe a thousand. But if I pay 500, then I can pay 500 next month. And then I have this other thing coming up. Then that'll work. And then the next month I'm like, oh, I, need, I had to put another 200 on it. So I'll put 
200, and it's just like this game of shells. Like she says, you're covering, and then, oh my God, what are we going to cover that, cover that? So I know that I don't have the control to do the credit card payoff thing. And so I've accepted that, and I've gone cash only. If you know that you are the person, by all means, do it. If you're honest with yourself and you know, oh, I tried that twice, and it got me in debt twice, don't do it. Close every card, run, and never, ever open another credit card again. Um, so we do cash only. We don't even use debit cards um, because debit cards, when we have cash, first of all, it's so painful to hand over that money because you're seeing your $100 bill to this guy for groceries. We have to buy $100 in groceries. Can we just eat rice and beans? I really don't want to hand you my money. So that is very painful. Another thing is debit cards... No one's going to sit down at the end of every single day, see how much money was in their categories, and then deduct out what they spent from every category that day. And the next day, come home and say, oh, I had 20 more receipts. And what was I at? And what was I at? Now, it's just impractical. When you have an envelope that has $100 in cash, and that $100 is gone, you don't have more cash. Like, it's gone. Um, we keep our cash envelopes that are saving ones. Like, we have a vacation save. We have a kid's clothing save. We have a, um, I don't know, whatever... I meant to bring them to show you, but I never made it home from work. But um, we keep those at home. So that is not money that we just have out with us. Like in case something comes up that's an emergency, like a new TV, we have this cash for us. No, it doesn't leave the house until that expense comes up. So um, that is my thing. No debit, no credit. But again, that's extreme for me. Um, so there's really several steps in Dave Ramsey's system. The first one we used was to save a $1,000 emergency fund. If you're trying to pay off debt, but you don't have a $1,000, you don't have anything in an emergency fund, and something breaks, obviously this is going to be a process of so six months to a year, and something comes up, even if it's $200, you're like going to mess up my whole budget, like all this thing. So have a $1,000 emergency fund, small things that come up, you'll be able to attack them without going into more debt as it's going. Um, the next thing, which was huge for us, and this is where we got really extreme, because I am a short-term, I want the results right now or yesterday or 10 days ago. Um, I can't do this. Well, in two years, we'll pay off our debt, and it'll be wonderful. No, I'm like, can we do it in 24 hours? Like, anything. How many babies do we have to sell? We need to have this thing right now. I need to do it. And so... Um, we did, ours in six months, so we started out with $50,000 total. So that was credit cards, two cars, really that was it. We weren't, you know, huge spinners, but one of our cars was $26,000. It was a big explorer. And so we started looking, and the first month, you're like, I can't let go of this. I can't let go of cable. I can't let go of the gym. I can't let go of this car. And then three months in, you're like, car, cable, kids, toys. Y'all can have anything. Something out the backyard. Y'all can have it. You're just trying to get money any way possible because you get excited about it. You start to see, like, progress going on. So we literally sold a car, canceled our cable, canceled every membership we had. We ate, didn't eat out at all. Um, honey, I don't even know what else we did. We just got really extreme. We were saving every single penny. We are definitely like people that like to go out and do things and pay for things, go to the movies, whatever. And we were hiking for free. Oh, glad we are out of that stage of our lives, doing less hiking. Um, <laughs> so uh, you will basically build a list of your debts, smallest to largest, no matter, the no matter the interest rate. You will work on paying off the smallest one as fast as possible. Have a, have a second job. Have a garage sale. Um, sell a baby. Cancel the gym. Cancel your cable. Sell your car. Whatever you got to do. And put it all towards that debt. When that one's paid off, go to the next one. 
work, 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 work. And as you roll those payments, everything else you're paying minimum payment on, as you roll those payments to the other one, you will be debt free. Um, make a chart. So we had like a bubble chart, you know, the bubble and the leg, whatever. So we filled it in. Every month we'd be like, holy cow, how much money were we spending? Like we had $5,000 left over this month. How did we spend $5,000 a month? Every month for the past 10 years we've been married. Like, so you'll see that chart all of a sudden fill in so fast. We were able to do it in six months, but again, very extreme. Um, and let's see, you could do the first one, pay down. There's other steps after that, retirement, investing, college fund, paying off your mortgages, and then giving. The whole point of Dave Ramsey's program is always be rich so you can give, 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 give. That's the whole thing. Not just be rich to be floydy. Be rich so you can give to others. Um, so those are all later steps, but uh, most people, because four out of five families live paycheck to paycheck, are just in those first two steps. Um, and last thing I want to say is uh, do the things you love, but do them smarter. So we enjoy Disney. We love going. We have annual passes. We go now. We bring our lunch. Like, you, you know, just things, little things that you don't think about cost you big, um, you know, when you're doing them a lot. So bring your lunch. Like, kids' Halloween costumes, they cost a lot of money. They only use them for an hour. We go to WeCycle. We go to, like, you know, get after market stuff. So think, you know, kind of differently. Um, don't have FOMO, fear of missing out. So I don't know if you guys know what that is, kind of a younger term. Not that you're not younger. Um, I looked at them, and I'm like, wait. Um, but fear of missing out. Don't look at other people's Facebooks and go, man, we're on a budget, and all these people are having fun. I'm going to do fun. Like, make fun yourself. They're not going to have fun when they're working at 102 and you're sitting on a beach in Hawaii and you're 45. So no FOMO. And people are going to think you're crazy. Do it anyway. Everyone was like kind of giving us weird eyes when we're like, we sold our car. We have the Fiesta. And they're like, okay, hope that works out for you. So anyway, you can do it. You can all do it. If you have questions, let me know. <laughs> what, what is FOMO? Fear, oh, fear of missing out. Okay, I was, um, I was missing out. I'm sorry. I, I don't know if she, somebody gave her a sugar high before she got up here or not. <laughs> Maybe she talks, she talks faster than me. Now, for the, now, there was a big laugh going on. She talked about selling children. Now, you might not know this, but Kira was a surrogate twice for the same family. So she wasn't literally selling her own children. <laughs> Well, we've had it, we've had it, huh? There are, days I would <laughs> there are days when we would all consider selling our children. I'll give you a bargain cut rate price, you know, yeah. So anyway, we're going to talk some more about budgets next week a little slower. So if you have any questions, you know, about the Dave Ramsey thing, you can talk to her. Well, again, I'm, I'm not that extreme. Uh, but then I'm a person who can be very self-controlled where money is concerned. And if, but if that's not you, you might need the extreme method to get yourself to a place where you have developed some new habits. You know, sometimes that's what it takes, you know, in your health as well as your finances. Listen, God wants us to prosper. He wants us to make the most of what we have, and it's just not right when we waste what he's given us. Because when we waste what he's given us, then he can't, he can't bless us to the extent he wants to bless us. We don't recognize what's wasteful. So anyway, if you have some questions, you know, you can ask me or you can ask Kira. If you've got some things you need to write down that we can possibly answer maybe again uh, in another session, which I don't know if it'll be next week or maybe the next two weeks. We'll just see how much we've got. If you're visiting with us,
At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.